Good morning, sports fans, bettors, and cappers. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Competitive Hedge Podcast. I am your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell, and thank you all for joining me here today. This podcast is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about results from the weekend that was before diving into today's betting slate, and we cap things off with our daily betting card. Now, a bit of a lighter day as far as plays go. Uh, no college basketball today, uh, but... I just want to say that it was a it was a pretty exciting sports weekend. Um, from a games perspective, 100%. Lots of great college basketball games. We're now creeping up on the final four of NCAA. We've got NBA and NHL ramping up towards playoffs. We had the PGA match play this past weekend as well, which we're going to get into. But it was a cold betting weekend for the host, um, which if you're a sports better or you want to be one, you got to realize that it's a roller coaster of emotions that you go through in a weekend. I hit probably my lowest that I've felt in a while on Saturday. <laughs> You'll find out why in a couple minutes, but I'm here today. I'm ready to go. Let's get into the show. Before we get started with today's episode, are you looking to make some wagers? Then head over to bet99.com. Bet99 is a Canadian sports book and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, a cash out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, including NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB. Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile, and the mobile app can be downloaded from the website's homepage. Now, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24 7 with their live chat option so go to bet99.com today to make an account use code shooters at sign up and please gamble responsibly you must be 19 plus years of age to do so and if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or the gambling of someone close to you contact connex ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge now let's get back to the show all right, so let's chat about the last four days that was. Uh, Thursday, 1-5, and, and we actually went 0-5 on college basketball that day. One of the colder days that you'll see for the host um, was all in on teams like Arkansas to go on a run, and unfortunately that didn't end up happening. Uh, loved UCLA money line. Thought uh, Xavier might keep it close. Uh, just overall an awful day. Now, Friday we got back on track. We we're 3-1 and one on Friday, so... It was good to see that day there. And then Saturday, 0-5 on Saturday. And this is a live look at us Saturday night. Yeah, we were all in on on teams like Kansas State. Um, Really thought that Gonzaga was going to win that game. They lose by 28. Just overall tough day. And then Sunday, we got back on track slightly. Uh, we we're still down 0.2 units, but we did cash uh, San Diego State winning. Uh, and then, unfortunately, Texas blew it late. So, overall, not our best weekend. Now, PGA-wise, I love following this event. It's the one time of year where we actually get to see match play outside of the Ryder Cup and President's Cup. But Sam Burns, 40-1 to odds. He goes on and beats Cam Young in the final Rory and Scheffler also in the third place matchup there. So a lot of quality golfers um, cream rising to the top there. Betting wise, the only group that we won 
on the opening couple of days with Scotty Scheffler to win his group at minus 107. Other than that, everyone else lost. So again, tough weekend to PGA. That doesn't mean that we can't bounce back right away. We've got an event coming up this week. And so we're looking ahead to the Valero Texas Open and think that we can get back on track right away. Now, NCAA-wise, let's break down how the weekend went. So it all started with Houston and Bama both losing the same day. Um, this is the first time ever that we haven't had a one seed in the Elite Eight. Um, UConn, they're in the Final Four. They beat Arkansas and then Gonzaga to get there. San Diego State, they knocked off Bama. Then they knocked off the six seed Creighton to get there. People call that a questionable foul call. It's a foul at the end of the day. You can't be on a guy's hip like that. So I respect the call that the ref made. It's a tough moment to make that call as well. And he did a great job. FAU, they knocked off Tennessee. I thought Tennessee was going to beat them fairly handily, but they just didn't have the offense to keep up. And then FAU knocked off Kansas State. And then Miami beat, uh, they ended up beating Texas yesterday. Huge result for them, uh, knocking off that Texas team. And then they also beat Houston the previous day. So the final four is set. And this starts to beg the question of how was college basketball this year? And I think for a one-off year, it's great. I mean, we get to see, for the first time ever, not a top three seed in the Final Four. Um, I think from a ratings perspective, it may suffer, because unless you're a basketball purist, you're probably not turning on Florida Atlantic versus San Diego State. I think Miami and UConn will do some good numbers, but for me, it can't happen every year. And I know that this is seems like a once-in-a-lifetime uh, tournament, but when you don't have those perennial teams in the Final Four, I think just strictly the ratings are going to suffer. And I do think that this is a fascinating spot for college basketball moving forward. We've seen a lot of legendary coaches retire. This year it was Bayheim. A couple of years ago, we had Coach K. We've had Jay Wright, uh, Roy Williams a number of years ago as well. And so some of these coaches are getting up there. You've got the transfer portal now. So teams are able to revamp their rosters after a single year. G League taking talent as well has been a big reason why. But one thing that I've noticed is a lot of people are down on, on these mid-major teams like Gonzaga and Houston. And then you go and look at the Final Four and you've got San Diego State and FAU are both in the Final Four. And they're treating as if Gonzaga and Houston are bad because they haven't won a national title. Now, t people look at Virginia, they'll see that one title that they won and they'll call them a really successful program, which I get it. You won a championship. That's great. But... The other two are incredibly consistent. They get out of the first weekend pretty regularly. Um, you look at a team like Baylor, they want it, but then they've been competitive. And so people will pick Virginia just because they want a national title. But to me, teams like Gonzaga, teams like Houston are franchise, or I shouldn't say franchises, they're programs moving forward that you definitely should be keeping an eye on because they're turning into perennial powers. And just because they don't have a national title doesn't mean that they aren't. And this is the one league where you don't see the best team win it every single year. So I would way rather have Gonzaga or Houston over a Virginia. I get it. You get to hang a banner if you're Virginia, but getting bounced in the first round every time after that is pretty crazy to see. Now, NFL-wise, there's a lot of moves over the weekend. Elijah Moore heading to the Browns. I like this move for Cleveland. They already had a pretty nice receiving core for Deshaun, who finally gets a full season under his belt in Cleveland. Amari Cooper and David Njoku as well are some weapons there. So they should have a really good offense behind Deshaun and Nick Chubb as well. 
Giants went and got Jamison Crowder. It's a nice veteran move, but I don't think that you should be expecting him to pop off for a 1,000-yard season or anything crazy. The Raiders went out and they added Austin Hooper. This is a replacement for Darren Waller. It's not bad, but it's not great when you're giving up a top-four tight end in the NFL when healthy. Um, Getting Austin Hooper back feels like a really tough spot if you're a Raiders fan. Then you got Nelson Aguilar heading to Baltimore. This is not a real weapon for Lamar, but it is a nice complement to that receiving core. It gives him a deep ball threat because that's been Aguilar's strength the last couple of years. You had DJ Chark heading to Carolina. Again, a nice veteran move. This is a team that's revamping entirely after uh, moving on from that number one pick, or sorry, moving up to take the number one pick. And so they're going to get a nice quarterback there. Lane Johnson resigned in Philly. Not a big surprise here. This was one of the strongest O-lines in a long time. And so him being back, also bringing back Jason Kelsey, that Philly O-line should be dangerous once again. Bobby Wagner heading to Seattle. Um, He spent one year in LA after having a Hall of Fame type career in Seattle. So it's great to see him back. And he's coming off 140 tackles, six sacks, and two interceptions with the Rams. So he certainly has quite a bit left in the tank. And then one of the bigger news stories was Denver apparently looking at trading Judy or Sutton, but Sean Payton telling us that they aren't. I mean, I really hope that they aren't. When you look at Denver, uh, I don't know why he would take this job if they were just going to move on from players like this. Um, If Russell Wilson wants to have a career revitalization after one of the worst seasons that we've seen from a quarterback in a long time, then he's going to need those guys to step up in a big way. And then to cap it off, Tottenham moving on from their coach, Antonio Conte. This shouldn't come as a big surprise. They're going to call it mutual. But when your coach is quoted as saying they don't want to play for something important, they don't want to play under pressure, then the franchise might take a little bit of uh, (laughs) – they might be a little bit upset about that. So they're moving on from Conte. The thing about Tottenham is that they just can't seem to put a trophy in the cabinet. And they're fourth place right now, so they're barely holding on to a Champions League spot. They're two points up on Newcastle, but they've played two more games. So they're really below them, it feels like right now. They're out of the Champions League. So at a certain point, Tottenham does have to turn the corner. They've got Son, they've got Kane. This is a talented group. And for whatever reason, they can't figure out a way to get a trophy. And so I'm intrigued to see what happens with them moving forward. So with that, as I said, it's a bit of a lighter slate today, but we're going to go through the NHL, NBA, and then we're going to look ahead to the college basketball games coming up on the weekend. All right, so let's start. We've got six NHL games today, and it starts with Florida and Ottawa today. Uh, Florida minus 135. Looks like we're getting Bobrovsky and Sogard as the goaltenders tonight. Now, this is a crucial game for the Panthers if they want to get into the playoffs this year. Ottawa has not had great form either, but when Florida loses three straight games and they're out of the playoff race right now, then they need to find OW in a big way tonight. Now, I don't think Ottawa are really trying to win a lot of games down the stretch. They know that they're not getting into the playoffs, but I'm intrigued by this game tonight. I know that it's a road spot for a team that's lost three in a row, but I really do like Florida because to me their season ends if they don't go on and win tonight. Then you got Montreal and Buffalo. It was minus 190 yesterday. Now it's all the way up to minus 210 this morning. So, Buffalo at home, it looks like we're getting Jake Allen and Lukanen in net. Both teams have been equally bad recently. Buffalo, though, they have won two straight games at the very least. 
Now they are six points back of that second wild card spot. When you look at the standings heading into tonight, they are currently uh, 72 games played. Pittsburgh's ahead of them on 73. So they do have that game in hand, but it's not the easiest schedule for Buffalo coming up. So this is one of these games where if you don't beat Montreal tonight, you might as well pack it in. Because after that, you've got Rangers, you've got Panthers, you've got Hurricanes, Rangers again, Devils all left on your schedule. So to me, this is a must-win tonight, desperation spot, and so I really like Buffalo with Lukanen going. Devils and Islanders, New Jersey minus 125 yesterday, now minus 130. So slight road favorites. Looks like we're getting Vanessic and Sorokin tonight. Uh, Tough spot for me to bet this because I really like both goaltenders, but... Both teams are above 500 in their last 10. New Jersey, one of the best road teams in the entire league. So I would lean New Jersey if I was going to play it. But given the Islanders really need this game for playoff hopes, um, I'm going to stay away tonight. I know that they're four points clear of Florida, but they do have a game or they've played one more game. So that's a little bit concerning. And because of that, I'm just going to stay away. Seattle and Minnesota. Minnesota minus 135 tonight. This one has playoff implications, kind of, but I think Seattle's safe. They've got 10 games to go, and they are currently seven points clear of Calgary for that final playoff spot. So Seattle's in. Minnesota, they're the top team in the Central right now, but they're looking to remain the top team. So this is an interesting spot. You've got Grubauer and Gustafson expected. Both goaltenders giving up three or less goals per game in their last three starts, so I think that this could be a road upset because Seattle's so good on the road tonight, but I'm intrigued by this game. I think it's actually the game of the night when you're looking across the board. Then you've got Colorado. They were minus 240 yesterday. Now they're minus 265. They're taking on Anaheim. Looks like we're going to get Johansson and we're going to get Gibson in net tonight. Um, So you kind of lean Anaheim from a goaltending perspective. That being said, Colorado's also on a back-to-back. So it's a hard spot. You really want to look at Anaheim plus one and a half. But to back a bad team just because Colorado's on a back-to-back isn't a spot that I want to personally play for the show. So I'm going to stay away unless we see massive line movement. Then this is going to be just a tune in and see how many goals Colorado scores tonight. And then you've got Edmonton. They were minus 290 yesterday. Now they're minus 320, taking on Arizona. Looks like we're going to get Skinner, and it says Ingram, but he played yesterday. I think we're more likely to see Vegmelka today. Again, Edmonton heavy road favorites, but Arizona keeps burning me because um, they're an awful team, but they play teams tight at the same uh, time. So they're not getting a lot of wins, but they also aren't having teams covered at minus one and a half. You also would have to look at Edmonton. Their team totals four and a half. So you're just hoping that they put a lot of pucks in the net. And if there is a team that can do it, it is Edmonton. We're currently looking at a seven or a seven and a half spread, depending on your book. So because minus one and a half, so juiced, I'm staying away. But I would certainly lean Edmonton if I was playing anything in that game tonight. Now, NBA, we don't have any official plays yet for the NBA. We may add one later on today, but there is eight games going. A lot of steep spreads. I mean, you've got Milwaukee, they're minus 16 and a half on the road against Detroit. You've got the Knicks minus 12 and a half at home against Houston. You've got the Pelicans minus nine and a half against Portland. So a lot of steep spreads there. Now, the three games that I am intrigued by, and I'm going to wait until closer to tip off, starting with Dallas and Indiana. Dallas was minus two and a half on the road. Now it's Indiana minus one and a half at home. 
Now, Dallas have been not great recently since Kyrie's joined. They're on a four-game losing streak. Not only that, Luka is suspended tonight. So I do think that Indiana is going to be a popular play without Luka in the lineup. But this is one of these spots where maybe Kyrie goes off tonight and he goes for a big game, gets Dallas going and gets them off of this slump. The reason why I'm not playing it yet is because Miles Turner and Halliburton are both game-time decisions. Hoping that one of those guys gets ruled out and then I'll hammer Dallas, but no Duarte still, so interesting game there. Then you got the Pelicans, minus 9.5. They were minus 8.5 yesterday. I was really hoping that number would trend towards Portland a bit so I could play it, but it looks like it's going to go the opposite way. Portland debating shutting down Lillard for the year. Still no Zion or Alvarado out for New Orleans. So pretty much all of Portland's lineup is a game-time decision, and the Pelicans have one four in a row. So I do like the Pelicans. I don't know if I like it enough to bet a double-digit road spread because that's where it's trending right now. But at least for now, I'm going to stay away. And then you got Philadelphia and Denver. Denver minus five and a half at home. If you like Denver, you got to get them now because if Embiid and Harden get ruled out because they're both game time decisions, then Denver, that line's going to spike even further. But Michael Porter Jr., he's a game time decision as well. So that's one to monitor on the Denver side. The Sixers are sliding. Denver's won three in a row. I do think that Jokic is due for a massive night. He's trying to make a push for his third straight MVP. I think we are going to see Embiid. I don't see him sitting out because if he does beat Jokic tonight, then I think you can lock that one up for Embiid. But I'm intrigued by this game tonight. Now, final four lines. Looks like UConn's a heavy favorite. They're minus 132 to win it all. San Diego State at plus 360. Miami's plus 460. And FAU at plus 580. I lean San Diego State because I like their spot to go in and beat FAU fairly handily. And so because of that, I just think it's a really good spot to take them at plus 360 because then it's essentially a pick on the final night. But UConn's minus five and a half against Miami. That'll be a popular play, especially after how that Arkansas and Gonzaga went for uh, UConn. I think you could play Miami first half if you can get a plus three and a half or something, because I think it'll be close early. I just think UConn's talent will win out. And then San Diego State, it's a pick right now. I might go and hammer San Diego State now before that line moves. I think we could see it closer to three and a half by tip off because people won't love this FAU team moving forward. So with that, we're going to head over to our last call pick segment sponsored by Last Mountain Distillery. So Last Mountain Distillery is family owned and operated located in Lumsden, Saskatchewan, the heart of grain country. Saskatchewan's first micro distillery success lies in their commitment to producing high quality handcrafted spirits. Their craft distilling process brings out the full flavor of the grain and leaves a smooth finish unlike any other. Check out some of their great products like their vodka, sweet tea vodka, or if you love a Caesar, then a dill pickle vodka as well. Support local. Really appreciate the support of Last Mountain for the show. So with that, we got three plays for you here today. Let's rapid fire these off and then get on with our day. Starting with the Panthers money line against the Ottawa Senators. One and a half units at minus 135. As I said earlier, I think Florida's season's on the line. They know they've got Toronto on Wednesday night, so this is a must-win spot for them. If they lose tonight, then they could be out of the playoff race really quickly. I like the Kraken money line on the road against Minnesota. Just a one-unit play, but at plus 115, 
How can you not love Seattle? They're 24-9-4 away from home. I know Minnesota's a tough opponent, but I consider this close to a pick and so I really like the Kraken to get the win. And then to cap it off, Sabres in regulation versus Montreal, minus 124. It's our max play, two units today. Montreal, they're not playing for anything. Buffalo will roll them big time tonight, especially at home with Lukening going. So give me the Sabres in regulation. But appreciate everyone who tuned into the show today. As we said, appreciate our sponsors like Glass Mountain as well as Bet99. Go sign up. Use code SHOOTERS to make your wagers as well. And we'll see you guys Wednesday morning for the Competitive Hedge podcast. Mm-hmm.